Good morning. We are talking about prayer. And I think it's we're midway through the prayer, so we should probably start going around and finding out how have your prayer lives improved. Who would like to go first? Just kidding. Everybody's kind of just shot up out of fear. But I do want to say this because we are going through the Lord's Prayer. As I'm preaching through each petition, it's very easy to get caught up in the theology, but it's, not, it's, it's really useless if it's not informing our prayer life. So I'm going to actually open it up with an application just to say this. Not only during this season of going through the Lord's Prayer, but in general, it is good to pray the Lord's Prayer. Some giants of the faith like Augustine and Calvin and Luther would say pray it every day and then personalize it. So there's your application on the front end. And what we're doing is we're moving through the petitions. In the first three petitions, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, were God-centered. And Calvin was the first theologian to really say he almost saw this mirroring the Ten Commandments for the second half really point to man and our prayer needs and requests. So today is the first petition where we really look at our needs. And it says, uh, give us this day our daily bread. Um, But I do want to read the passage together. So if you would rise, we will read, even though you know this Lord's Prayer, we've already read it together earlier. Um, Here we are at the time of preaching and it's listed there before you. I'm going to read all of the Lord's Prayer and you'll just follow along. But really, Uh, ask the Lord privately to open your eyes to what this might mean for your prayer life. So Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this morning we're focusing on give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Let me pray. Father, You um, not only call us to pray, You teach us to pray, and You actually pray for us. And this morning, we come to this passage as Your disciples, wanting desperately to know how to pray for daily bread and how to trust in You. Lord, I pray You would help me as I preach through this passage to not be confusing, that anything that doesn't line up with Your will would not um, not be said, but also not really be remembered. Lord, I pray that You be present. In Your name we pray. Amen. Food is very important to us, right? We all need it. I think we eat so much, we don't feel that need very often. Um, but it's interesting how in this culture, we... It's very hard to imagine going hungry. So what our, what's happened for us with food is we've sort of shifted from where is it coming from, how am I going to get my next meal, to now I think we're starting to see the question of what's, what's in our food, right? How many of you have seen Food, Inc.? Okay, a show of hands, or Fast Food Nation, or Super Size Me. I think we've become aware of the fact that we have really no idea what's in the patty of meat at McDonald's or... What's, in the, what's happened in the life of the chicken we eat. We've become very separated. And as we gain knowledge and learn these things, I think it speaks to the fact that there's something intimate about food. So when Jesus takes his petition, and he's really in this one petition talking about all of our needs, right? All of our physical needs, everything we need. But he really just hones in on food. 
it's because there is something to the phrase, you are what you eat. There's something about the fact that we really become what we eat, right? Um, and I don't just mean physically, but spiritually as well. And so as we look at this um, verse and hone in on it, what we're going to find out is we, we really are people who don't credit God with giving us our food. Right? We really are people who really don't go to Him with petitions on ordinary things. And that's what I hope we uncover today, is that we'll see that He is not only the God that gives you the impossible dreams, the impossible prayer requests, the miracles we long for, but He gives you your, your sustenance. As your Heavenly Father, He gives you the very thing you need for just ordinary, daily living. This is something that's very hard to grasp, I think, in our modern culture. So we're going to look at three things. The source of our bread the sufficiency of our bread, and where the essential bread comes from. So the source of bread. Um, here, it's really amazing that right after three petitions about God's holiness and being hallowed and being, um, you know, that His will would come to earth, Christianity is very unique in that Jesus would then instruct us to pray for daily bread. That He's saying God cares for your physical needs. That is unusual. Not only that, it's really unusual because our God became a human. I mean, He had to have bread. He had to eat. Those 40 days of fasting were hard. He wasn't just in the desert hanging out, you know, waiting for the 40 days. He was hungry. He, he needed sustenance. The devil took advantage of that. He understood, and our God understands that we have needs. And that is important. So we finally come to this place where we can ask a petition, but we have to start with recognizing the source. And I want to draw our attention to the wording in the passage then. It says, give us this day our daily bread. And that word, it's one Greek word for daily bread. And the actual word is epiousios. And it's so rare, it's actually only one other time in the New Testament in the prayer in Luke. So it's just the exact reference, roughly. But you don't have it anywhere else in the Bible, which makes it very difficult to know the meaning of a word. But what makes it even more difficult is it's nowhere in ancient Greek, in Koine Greek. You cannot find this word. So Origen even said he thinks the apostles made it up. Like they were try they coined it. That's not bad. That sounds negative. They coined the phrase. Um, I ha there is another theory that it popped up in Egypt somewhere. The question is, is it was it after this word appeared or was it before? So. Why does this all matter? When we get to a prayer like the Lord's Prayer, and you get to a petition, it's like your iPhone. If you have an iPhone or a touch screen of any kind. It doesn't have to be an iPhone. You, you want to hone in. You want to, you know, you take your fingers and you want to spread it out. You want to understand what does this mean? What is behind this word? What is Jesus saying? And it's very helpful to dig in and even meditate on the meanings of the word. Um, and to grasp where he's going. So here are some possibilities. It can mean essential. It can be like it's this is essential food or essential bread. It can mean sufficient. Here's what you need. It's sufficient. You don't need any more. Um, a very popular translation is daily, uh, 24 hour period bread. So some people would say, some scholars would say, the prayer is for the next 24 hour period. Either way, it's honing in on God is the source of life, even for daily bread, and it's that He is essential. Um, 
there's a movie called Shenandoah. Uh, Jimmy Stewart is the star. It's a Civil War movie. And his wife is, there's a scene where his wife has died, but she was sort of the spiritual leader of the house. And they were sitting down to, to eat, and the kids are like, you got to pray. Mom prayed. So he begins to pray. And here's Jimmy Stewart's prayer. This is not a, an exact quote. But he says something like this, Dear Lord, thank you for this meal. We plowed the ground. We planted the seed. We pulled the weeds. We harvested the wheat. We ground the flour. We baked the bread. But thank you, Lord, for this meal. I think that might be how we pray. How many of you, well, don't raise your hands. This is a rhetorical. Do you pray when you eat? Probably some of you don't. You think, oh, Jesus says don't pray in public. I'm not doing that. Okay, others of you pray, but how many of you roll your eyes at that prayer a little bit? You know what I mean? It's sort of like, thank you for this meal from Brahms, you know? Um, or thank you for this meal that mom spent all afternoon cooking or whatever. We tend to not realize the way God is connected to our food and to our existence. Okay, so what's the point? You are on your iPhone talking about this petition. You're going to spread it out now and look from a distance. You just zoomed out. The whole idea behind the Sermon on the Mount is that we are disciples. And the chief way we hate being disciples, that we um, we run from being a disciple, is in not seeing God connected, not being our Father, not being the one that does everything. And it's very, very easy, and especially tempting when it comes to very simple things that we think we produce these things. And so it's not, this is not a call. This first point is not a call to start crediting God for your food, though it is. But it's to recognize the temptation in our heart to think we do anything apart from Him. The entire, I would say, thrust of the Sermon on the Mount is everything we do is not only for the Lord, but it's through the Lord. It's because of Him. The kingdom has come, and He wants you and I to connect every aspect of our life to His glory and to doing it for Him and to have, seeing Him as the source. Not because, not because He's some sort of tyrant who needs it, but because that's the way it really is. I mean, the world really is this way. An atheist eating spaghetti got that from God. And it's the Christian who can actually begin to go, oh, everything I have is from the Lord. And so the first thing I think this, this petition is doing is reordering it. And remember, these petitions flow from one to the next, and they all sort of flow together. But our Heavenly Father, which isn't even a petition, it's a statement of truth, we pray that prayer. Jesus has to say those words to remind us of that every time. Because our hearts daily say he's not our father. Our hearts daily echo the words from the garden. Is he really good? Is he? Is it, are you sure you've heard this correctly? And then we come to our needs, and what do we do? We get anxious. We take care of ourselves, and we kind of divorce God from our daily needs. So, we pray. Give us this day our daily bread, and partly we are connecting to the Father and saying you are the source of everything we have, and we're thanking him. But there's more. We're also confessing that He is sufficient. And that is challenging. This this idea of daily bread partly is essential. It's what you essentially need. It's what you absolutely need. 
but it's also you only it's only that short period of time. Most of us aren't thinking about the next 24 hours. I mean, some of you right now are thinking about lunch. I know, especially if this drones on and on. I'm only going to go for another 45 minutes, but but um, your, your stomachs growl. But most of us aren't worried about what we're going to do for lunch and dinner and breakfast. We worry about retirement, extra money, the car we want, right? Did I get the iPhone 6? I remember as a child, uh, scratch and sniff stickers were huge. And I think for probably two or three weeks, as long as that fad lasted, um, I every day thought, I'm going to ask my mom, we're going to go by Thompson's bookstore, remember Thompson's? We're going to get this scratch and sniff. <sighs> I needed it for life. But the, this prayer then is also getting at the root of our appetites. It's saying, what is it you long for? What is it you think you need for life? Maybe you've gone too far. In Proverbs 30, a very famous um, proverb for this, and many people have chewed on this proverb applying it to this prayer. In verse 8 it says, Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither po- poverty nor riches. How many of us have prayed that prayer? That is like anti-American. The American prayer is, give me riches. Unless there's some crazy reason why that doesn't work in your, in your plan, oh God. I want to be loaded. Right? It, it, I think used to, I don't know this to be sure, I'm kind of conjecturing, that most people wanted riches, but sort of thought they shouldn't long for riches. You know? At least, I, I want them secretly. I think now we just, what? Who would ever ask not to be rich? Crazy talk. Well, the Bible does. The Bible tells us it's risky when your desires outweigh your needs. When you want beyond what you have. And so Augustine would take that prayer and say, Lord, meet my material needs and give me wealth, yes, but only as much as I can handle without harming my ability to put you in first in my life. Now most of us would say, well, I can handle quite a bit. You know, Try me out. But... Do we really see the, 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 do we see the problem in wanting more? I think that, um, this is again, comes across like this sort of moral platitude, but let me try to explain. This is not God saying, look, the rich people have everything they want, and you really would have a good life if you're rich, but I have some bad news for you. You became a Christian. So, what we do is we don't have any fun, and you don't get all the money. Or is God telling us that is bad? It's bad not to have excess. I want to be clear. It's not wrong to be rich. It's bad to long for riches. It's bad when we think anything will complete us other than Christ. And that's what He's warning us of. In, in the Exodus, when the Israelites went out and then God brought manna, remember what happened if they gathered more than they needed? Whatever they didn't eat, what happened to it? It rotted. Why? Because it wasn't daily bread. It was not needed for their sustenance. They gathered it in vain and they were looking to it as an idol. Pete's prayer beautifully talked about the idols. We had wood and gold and plastic and you could name them. Scratch and sniff. A job promotion. We we make everything into idols. Relationships. And we fixate on these things. And when you think of prayer, most of us have come into this idea of prayer. We think, this is it. Prayer. Finally. Petitions. Right? Finally, we're at that place where we get to ask for what we want, but most of us aren't saying, Lord, help me live for the next 24 hours. We're saying things like, I want, and we cling to things. 
And we feel like if we don't have them, we'll certainly just explode. And God is saying that is idolatry and that will kill you. Far be it from me to bless that prayer request. Right? Wow, that sounds pretty harsh. Um, what's the, what? Let me be clear. Listen, you can have retirement accounts. You can have wealth. Right? You can hope for promotions. But the question is, are these things your desire to glorify the Father? To advance the kingdom? Are they running, are you seeing yourself as a, again, I mean the prayer, you pray that, you know, we, God is sending out agents. You know, we are a kingdom. Is you, are your resources for His use? Are you wanting to be wealthy, if that's what you want, for God and for His kingdom? That's the challenge. Or are we just wanting our own personal needs met? And again, which is another way of saying, God, I don't need you here. Um, what is your prayer? How do you pray for daily bread? And then our third point is essential bread. Um, one of the challenges of this passage, I think, is it's a promise that God will answer your prayer. It's a promise that God is asking His children to say, Lord, give me today what I need. And that can be bread. That can be health concerns. It could be so many things that we desperately need. And here's the thing that I think scares us all, if we're honest, is sometimes these aren't answered. Right? I mean, are we? let's be honest. This is a tricky thing. I think some of us have developed cynicism. You know? Okay, I'll pray that prayer. What if God doesn't want to give it to me? I'll pray that He takes this illness away or this illness away from my loved one or this situation away. What if He doesn't do it? So, is this a prayer for daily bread always answered? Or is it sometimes answered? I would love if sermons you could have interaction. I'm really not asking for interaction. I'm not trying to be weird. But that is a really good question to chew on. Do we think God, through Christ, in this prayer request, is promising to answer our prayers or not? The Christian faith dies if the answer is no. That's a big statement. What is it we want? We want life. That is what is behind our prayer request. When Lazarus died, and Jesus raises him from the dead, do you know that if this was modern times, or if you went back in time, there would come a day where he died again. Or when he raises the young girl. Raises her from the dead. Right? They laughed at him when he said he could do this. She lives. There came a day, this is my imagination, where her, maybe her grandchildren were weeping at her funeral. So was the prayer answered? What are you praying for when you pray for daily bread? We are praying for eternal life. We are praying that eternal life would be given to us ultimately and that it would break in presently. So when we look at situations that are desperate, we are asking for the Lord to choose to heal these people now or to to bring us bread in this moment. No doubt about it. But what we ultimately want, if we really distilled it to to its core, is we want life. Right? We want to live. And Jesus has come... And we're moving toward Easter. And we're going to celebrate the resurrection. 
because we believe that this is not our final place. This is not the final condition. And so Jesus, I think, has in mind this thing. Why do I think that? I want to draw your attention to a story in John, and it's in other Gospels, where Jesus is with a crowd of people, and they're hungry. And the disciples are like, we've got to feed these people, they're hungry, send them home. Jesus says, let's feed them with you know, the bread and the fish, and he does a miracle. And they feed 5,000 people that day, right? And do you know the outcome of that? Jesus, sensing that they want to make him king, sends his disciples on their way on the boat. They kind of sneak out. Jesus goes up to pray. You get the sense that the masses are going, okay, they can leave. He's up there, we're good. He, in the middle of the night, gets up and walks across the river, or the uh, river, the lake, and goes and meets up with his disciples and leaves. The crowd wakes up and they're mad. Their genie in a bottle is gone. The very one who gives them what they need is left, and they go looking for him. And they come around their lake, and they finally find him, or some sail across the lake, and they get to him, and they said, where did you go? You're our genie. You do what we ask you to do, and you left. That's what they were thinking. And he says to them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Isn't that interesting? What was the difference? So he, he did a miracle, but that's not why they cared about him. They got their stomachs full. That's why they like Jesus. That's what he's telling them. Right? Something about the fact that they got hungry and this guy gave them food. They're not, maybe they don't even know where it came from. That made them be willing to chase him across the region. Okay? He then says, do not labor for the food that perishes. Isn't that an interesting term, labor? Well, they're not laboring, are they? The very reason they chased Jesus was because they wanted free food. It's like, I want the, the, I want the, you know, the, the concession stand where you just, you know, push the buttons and stuff comes out. That's what Jesus became to them. So why would he say don't labor for this? If it, their whole goal was not to labor. And the answer is, their laboring was, they spent so much energy, resources, mental anguish in trying to find him and track him down just so they could have somebody that would provide bread. Does that make sense? They labored. What does he tell them? Labor, not for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. Is that what we long for? This is not a bait and switch. It sounds like it. Oh, okay, so Jesus isn't going to give me daily bread, but I have eternal life. Is that what you're saying, Ryan? No and yes. I mean, it's not a bait and switch, but, but indeed, we have to recognize, and part of being maturing in our faith is realizing, even when we get the things we think we need, we, we quickly fill them with something else. Do you remember Christmas mornings? How long did it take you to want something else? You might have gotten exactly what you wanted. I remember as a kid, ah, but it wasn't quite as lusterous as it was in my imagination. I wanted something new again. It doesn't last long, right? And I'm not here to tell you that if something really important came, like the healing of a loved one, that wouldn't just, that would be amazing and we long for that. But again, you know, like Lazarus or like the little girl, that's a temporary healing. And I think something that humanity is able to do 
is we're able to convince ourselves that we won't die. There's something crazy. Like You see this in the newspaper every day. People who do crazy things because they act like that's the only day that ever is going to happen again. They don't realize there's a future and a result and a consequence. And so I think the Gospel is saying we have to see our connection to eternity. And Jesus is saying, I'm breaking in and I'm feeding you. And here's what I love about their response. They are legalists like we are. Their answer was, what must we do to be doing the works of God? So they got it. I hope we get it. But they got it. This is huge. This is big. He's offering us bread of heaven, right? He's offering us to, you know, to be connected to the Father. But then they ask, but what do I have to do to get that? What works? And his answer, this is the work of God. That you believe in Him on, in whom He has sent. Belief. Resting in Him. Jesus, the Gospel. So, give us this day our daily bread. Yes, we ask. We boldly ask. But what are you asking for? You have to get to the heart of it. You want life. I, I hope you'll see that. The things you think you need in the things you really need, if you're disciplined and you really only pray for actual needs, or if you have someone that has a physical ailment or you do and you're praying for that, we have to recognize that what we really want is heaven. Right? We really want that. And he's saying you have that. And with that, we also, of course, pray that heaven would break in into the moment. We pray that this, this health concern would be alleviated We pray that this issue would be taken care of, that true bread would come in, that we could feed our family. But none of that compares to the beauty of the Gospel. I've done this illustration and I'm going to kill it. I know I am. Not meaning good. That means good to you guys. Kill it! In my vernacular, that means, oh, you're going to kill it. So, so it is well with my soul. has been on my mind. all. I've had two weeks now. And here's why. I've talked about it in the past. Almost every sermon through the Lord's uh, Prayer, you could kind of talk about it as well with my soul. You know, the, here's the story, just in a nutshell. Remember, his family goes across the ocean. The boat sinks. He loses at least two daughters, maybe three. I, I don't remember. His wife survives. She she uh, doesn't text him. She whatever telegrams, you know, alive or uh, alive or saved, but alone. And of course. He's, he's heartbroken. His family, his daughters have been taken from him. He gets on another boat, starts crossing the ocean. Captain says, this is where it happened. And it's there, whether that's when he wrote the hymn or that's what inspired the hymn, he writes the hymn, It is well with my soul. And, I, and the reason why I'm bringing that up this week is I'm blown away by the fact that here's what he was excited about if you read the hymn or sing the hymn. My sin, he says, I love this line, my sin, comma, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. He stops. Then he goes at my sin, comma, but not in part. The whole was nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. This man had just lost daughters. He prayed when that boat left and he said goodbye. This is a godly man. He prayed, Lord, I pray for their safe journey. Of course he prayed that. He prayed that with them. He prayed that as they were leaving. And then he gets this information. 
And what does he say? Praise the Lord that my sin has been nailed to the cross. Because those daughters, by today's date, would have died anyway. I'm not being cynical. But he and they live on in eternity. Is that our hope? And is that our hope not just in the future, but in the present? Because the whole Sermon on the Mount is not saying this is all about a future glory. It's saying glory has broken in today. Jesus has come. I am present, says Jesus. I am the kingdom. Repent and believe this gospel. It is here. It is now. And you have this balm already present, curing you, redeeming you, saving you, giving you joy, filling you with the Spirit. So that as we pray, give us this day our daily bread. He is curbing our appetite for the lust of idols. And He is conditioning us after having prayed, not my, you know, give us your will on earth as it is in heaven, to say, it is well with my soul when bad things happen, but Lord, what I really am praying for is eternal bread, the bread of life, the bread of heaven. Is that your prayer? When you pray the Lord's Prayer, and again, to wrap around, we, I, I'm encouraging us to pray this daily. Luther would ask his those that followed his teaching to pray the prayer daily and just make it specific. So you do pray for specific things, daily bread, right? But you're praying the entire prayer. And so you're praying it, our Father in heaven. You're hallowing his name in this prayer. You're, you're longing for the kingdom to come in the prayer for daily bread. You're longing for his will to be done in the prayer for daily bread. And then you're praying that He would give you the bread of life as you also pray for your physical needs. I'm not taking away from that. But when you pray that prayer, you're praying it in partnership with the Father. Do you guys, do we know what our physical needs are? Do we even realize we need food anymore? In a few weeks, we're going to talk about fasting. Um, I just think part of this challenge, I think, is because we've never been hungry. We never really have gone hungry for very long. So as we pray this prayer, we have to really meditate on the fact that He provides everything we need to live, but ultimately His Son's.